Tim Potter's house. I think you guys are out there. I'm not sure. Oh, there you are. Um, yeah, as Brian said, um, you know, in the using the precedent that Paul said of going back to those who've sent them out, we're here to talk about the things God is doing. And we don't get to do what we're doing if you guys and others like you don't send us out. And um, you guys have become our, our home church, our sending church when we come back. And um, we're just so grateful for you. And so as we start this out, um, before we get the chan- I get the chance to bring the word later, um, as we start this out, I just want to make certain, as you've seen that video, as you hear us talking, um, that we want you to be hearing what God's doing through you. And just a, this is a chance for us to say thank you uh, for the role you guys have played. It is wonderful to be home, Potter's House. Thank you for having us here. I just want to give a little update since that video is a couple years old. Um, the bookload have sent out more than 30 missionaries total now and have planted around a dozen churches over the last years. Um, and they've had around 100 different outreach groups that we hope will become churches one day. Also, we mentioned the Mangyan very briefly. And since that point, they've sent out three more families to partner with the bookload to reach the Agta. Um, during COVID, um, God opened up a lot of doors down there. Like all of our plans um, got taken apart as we were locked down in our houses and they were locked down where they were. Uh, but God really used that to open a lot of doors. And the, the missionaries that were there, the Bukalop missionaries as well as the Mangyan, really used that time to disciple uh, the people that they had access to. And um, it was during that time we really saw them taking... Um, ownership, the Agta themselves, and taking ownership to be the ones to be reaching out to their own tribe. And um, we praise God for this because this was so um, anti-cultural for them. Um, And um, we saw hundreds come to the Lord, but one of the things we found was the most exciting during that time, um, those first first year or so there, is they formed together to um, create what they call the Beacle Tribal Church Association. And it's a, a group that has um, leaders from three different tribal groups that are leading churches in different areas. Um, but it's, it's them now stepping up. And the first day they decided to form this up and they had their meeting, I got a report about decisions they had made. And then I got a call from the guy who was the president talking about the things that hadn't gone well and talking about the way one guy acted at the meeting that wasn't appreciated and was trying to dictate to them. And I thought, oh, here we go again. Because in Agta culture, whenever you do that, um, the good person will avoid the bad person. And so what I was expecting to happen is what had happened on things before when we tried to get them to work together is he was offended because that person was obviously a bad person, so he would be the good person and just avoid working together ever again. Um, Which obviously means you never work with anybody because regardless of who you work with, there's going to be conflict sometimes, right? I mean, unless you work with Daryl, I know. Um, uh, even Daryl, probably. <laughs> um, and it was just so neat that he followed that up with, and so here's our action plan for how we're going to move forward this next time and how we're going to make certain that we improve this as we do this. And um, for us um, who've seen that and watched the way their culture has really prevented them from working together, it's been an amazing thing to see that ownership taken. And that's continued on for the next uh, year and a half since then. 
After the Agta formed the Bikol Tribal Church Association, they expressed a desire for a better theological education for their church leaders and the young people who were coming up through their churches. They had heard that the Mangyan tribe had a tribal Bible college and they wanted something like that. And so they asked some of the Mangyan teachers to come and to teach one semester of, for the Agta tribes, do uh, one semester of Bible college for them. And we were absolutely floored when 18 Agta actually finished that first semester. And so that was an amazing thing, but we had just a tiny little piece of property and we had totally burst the seams on that. And so we needed some land in order to be able to continue that dream of providing this theological education for them. We'd had a dream for many years of having like a church planting and um, skills, livelihood training for the Agta. We'd look for land many, many times, but the land was way out of price range. We didn't see how there was any way it could happen. But once the Agta were the ones initiating, once the, they were the ones asking God to provide, it was amazing to see how God provided an amazing piece of property. Um, the, it was way beyond what we could have ever asked. It's 21 and a half acres. It has a water source and a coconut plantation already on it. The first semester of the Tribal Bible College on the new land started in October, and the construction is going on right now for the church planning and livelihood skills training portion of that. Um, and we know a lot of these things a lot of you have heard already. Some of you have already been over there and seen this. Um, I didn't include pictures of Mason digging his hole, you know, three feet too deep when they go, what are you doing, Mason? You're supposed to be digging the other hole. But, um, you know, this is something a lot of you have already been a part of. Um, but for us, um, we just want to make certain that for those who haven't heard, that we can share the whole, whole story and fill in little parts of it that um, uh, maybe you wouldn't necessarily get otherwise. Um, but one of the things we've really seen in this last couple of years is um, what they're really doing is learning to work together. And there's nothing that shows the power of the gospel of God that it can counteract what happened at Babel. And I'm going to get into my sermon, so I'll wait. I'm doing an update right now, not sermon. Um, but right now what they're doing is learning to work together. And we're seeing that happening. Um, we, we counted up in the people that we're working with, we have 17 different heart languages. And you can see in this picture, we have all these different organizations working together. You have BBCF, which is the Bukalut Bible Christian Fellowship, and they've sent the missionaries down, and um, they've started churches, and some of the leaders, that this next one there is BTCA, um, the Bikol Tribal Church Association, that this newly formed group, that they're learning to work together in their churches to be able to do this. You have the Mangyan Tribal Church Association there with MTCA, where they've sent the Bible school teachers down, and they have one church planter there working with us. Uh, we're with IMB. You've got Jay uh, with Global Empowerment, and they're working together on what um, this sign was made for, was the Beacol Tribal uh, Bible School. Um, we're under construction right now as we're starting out this livelihood project and stuff. Um, but for us, this is just really a testament to God's grace in the way that he is drawing together people from every tribe and tongue and to be one body and to be part of working together for the sake of his kingdom. So we just want to say thank you guys so much for the role that you play in that, for standing behind us, for sending us out, for being our home church. Just like these groups, these 17 languages are working together, 
Um, they're making sacrifices, they're facing challenges, they're even resolving conflict like Steve was talking about. Just like they're doing that for the sake of getting the gospel to the nations, we know that you guys are standing behind them and doing those same things of making sacrifices, facing challenges, and resolving conflict for the sake of the gospel. Um, after the service, I'm going to take off and let Steve continue up here. After the service, we actually have a display board up there, the place that you can sign up to receive our email updates, get a new prayer card if you haven't gotten that. Um, and we just want to let you know that also, we're, um, if you're interested in partnering with Tribals Reaching Tribals in the Philippines, there is opportunities to partner with us with um, our ministry expenses. We're raising funds for those. So thank you guys so much for the way that you stand behind us. And please come see us at the back after the service. Thank you. And as she said, um, make sure to sign up there. Thank you, babe. And you can also friend us on Facebook and get added into a Facebook group on Tribals Reaching Tribals as well to get um, quicker prayer requests and things like that. I'm going to ask that everyone stand as we get into the word time. Um, we're actually, as we go through the word, we're going to use some stories of things that God is doing to, to illustrate and bring to life what's going on. So um, <clears throat> there'll be more you'll hear about the things that uh, God is doing specifically over there. Um, but let's, let's get into the word here together. And um, these verses that we're getting ready to read together um, are some that God just used to challenge my heart. Um, in the midst of those first few months when we were literally had to stay inside of our house compound and um, we weren't allowed to go out and I was watching one plan after a next be canceled, things that I thought I was doing for God that were answers to prayer of what I was asking him for the sake of his ministry, I was watching all of those come away. And God used these verses to be an encouragement to me and just remind me of the way um, the way he works. And so let's read these together. And I want, I'm praying, my prayer is that there'll be an encouragement to each of you too as we take the time to talk through this. So you can join me with reading. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, Salah. That your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Salah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning, Lord, just um, in awe, Lord, of you. Lord, you sent redemption through your son, Jesus. Lord, you reached into our lives to draw us to yourself. And Lord, we know you're at work in the world today. Lord, we do pray this prayer. Lord, that you'd be merciful to us and bless us and cause your face to shine upon us. And Lord, we pray that you would do what you promised to do here. Lord, speak to us this morning. Encourage us, Lord, with the awesome privilege we have 
of being people that are blessed and chosen by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Like I said, this psalm was a psalm that uh, God really used to be an encouragement to me. Sorry, I meant to leave the verse up there. Um, my heart, you just saw that other place, is, is there with um, these simple people that are often overlooked in the world. And when I start getting stressed out, when I'm doing too much writing and curriculum and dealing with budgets and all those kind of things, I like to just get back out and get out with people and just be there and ministering to them. And, um, you know, those first two months in the Philippines, literally they had everybody stay inside their compound unless you had a, a pass, you could go out because your job required you to be out of the house or once or twice a week you were allowed to go out to buy groceries and things like that. Um, and we had to give that pass to my son because I was having pretty serious asthma issues and um, um, I just wasn't strong enough to be able to go do those during those times. But I just want to walk through these verses first before I start um, illustrating them and just take you a little on the journey that I went on. This journey because what jumped out to me is that this mercy and blessing of God was something that he promises there at the end. This is a psalm um, which means nothing more than it's, it's one of the hymns or one of the songs that Israel sang. It's the best psalm book uh, because it was actually inspired by God and given to them to sing and learn about God as they did. And it's um, a great place for us always to go back to because there's nothing that can connect with our hearts quite like a song. Um, I, I wish I had the talent of someone like Curtis to be able to write music and to be able to sing it and connect with people's hearts in that way. But God made us all different, and that's okay. But as I was thinking about this, I was just looking back over the years about the way that God had had mercy on me. I had known from a young child that God had called me, and he had gripped my heart with the fact that there was people in the world who had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I realized that very young because I had a sister who was terminally ill and died after a year. And through the course of that time, as my dad was teaching us the word, he kept reminding us about that fact. And that's the thing that gripped me when I lost my sister was I knew where she was, but what about the people who had no chance like she did, who didn't have a dad? who could take them to the Word. They didn't have a Sunday school class or a VBS that they could go to. And yet in spite of that burning passion that was in me from a young child, I ran from God in so many different ways. And if he wasn't merciful on me to discipline me and bring me back and to give me that other chance and to bring people into my life redirect me and remind me of the foolishness of following our own ways. If it wasn't for the people in my Sunday school classes and the pastor and all of the things that God uses to show mercy on us and keep us from going off and doing the dumb things that we think are our ideas, but they really come from the world and from our enemy, from our own sinful desires, that's me. Anyone who knows me long enough 
knows I have no right to be standing up here. I am not a more holy or a better person than anyone else in here. In college, I was drunk almost every day. Got addicted to pornography. All of these things that should have disqualified me. And did at the time, obviously, right? But God in his mercy stepped in and intervened. The ministries like CR are so, so important. Because the guy who's in CR right now is going to be being used by God in a year or two as God shows his mercy on them through people teaching the truth, through people directing them to the God who sent his son, to the God who stepped in and took the punishment for our sin upon himself, to the God who puts his spirit in us and promises as a good father that he'll step in and discipline us and correct us and direct us, train us in righteousness and what that looks like. He had mercy on me and he blessed me. And the more I got looking into this word blessing, I got realizing there's more to it than I was first thinking. Um, my first thinking when I think of blessing is, you know, all the things we say, oh, um, my son was blessed with a truck. He was coming back from college, and when somebody found out the need that we were looking for an affordable truck, which was a big prayer request, right, in 2022, all the prices had gone up, and what we had set aside and what he was able to do was not going to get him much of anything for a nine-hour drive to Mississippi. And somebody writes back and says, how would he feel about an 09 Colorado? And I said, I think he'd feel good about it, but what's the price? And he said, you know, I met him when he was three. We were over there. And we feel God's prompting us to bless him with it. And those blessings are part of it, but there's actually more to this prayer that they are saying there, this prayer that God had told them to pronounce as a blessing over each other. God be merciful and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. This blessing is the same word used by God when he blessed man and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. It was a blessing of what God's intention was for them that included the command of what they were going to do. It's the same word that was used of Abraham when he blessed his sons. It was the same word that was used by Jacob when he put his hands on his 12 sons. He actually made it 13 because he separately blessed the two sons of Joseph. And he told them about the things that God was going to do through them. But that included the differences that, included, that were there in them. And the way God was going to use them. And it was a blessing in the fact that there was no possible way they could do that without God's hand on them. Without God intervening and working for them. But it was a blessing that included the job that they were supposed to be about, what it was they were going to be doing. And so when God causes his face to shine upon us, it's not purely the way we think of it, of blessings and God being pleased with us for the sake of ourselves, but it also includes the blessing that we have of being a part of what he's called us to be. 
Now this verse here, this, this song here, focuses on the way he uses all of us together. It's not like when Jacob blesses his sons individually. Um, I would love to have the time to be able to talk about the way that God gifts each of us individually and God calls us individually and puts us into different places. But don't lose that fact in this, that as God blesses us, there's going to be a different blessing for each and every one of us. But this is the blessing for his people. This is the blessing of us being involved in what God is doing through all the earth because it's a prayer or a song that they were singing collectively. And I think it's a song that we can continue on today. And I can say that on good, um, on good solid biblical ground because this whole idea is repeated as a blessing over us in Acts 1.8. When the disciples are wondering and saying, is now the time when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He tells them, he said, this isn't, it's not for you to know the days or the times, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. It's the same command that we're given in the Great Commission that we get to be the ones to take the gospel out to all nations. But in hearing that, don't hear that that means every single one is, the, is called to be the one to go and go. I consider it a great privilege that God showed his mercy on us and we get to be the ones you guys have sent out to go be there. And I know Jay considers it's a privilege that you release him and he's able to go regularly and be a part of that. And I pray that God will call out more from amongst you to go out. But as we talk about this, I want to remind us that this is something we do together as every part of the body does their part. Because the way I'm here is because of the way that the church was used by God to disciple me and to draw me back and to prepare me to go out. But I want us to remember, too, the big thrust I want us to catch this morning is to remember that this was part of the songbook of Israel, the very same Israel that got inwardly focused and started being focused, even as the apostles were when they were asking Jesus, is now the time when you're finally going to do what we were asking and restore the kingdom to Israel. They wanted the kingdom of Israel because they wanted the blessing that they wanted right then because they wanted their own freedoms. They wanted their own wealth. They didn't want to have to pay the tax that didn't help them out. All of the things that are normal and understandable desires were what they wanted right then. But Jesus redirected them into the blessing that he was calling them to. We may not get all of the comforts we're looking for, but if we share the heart of God and we recognize what his blessings for us are for, what his blessing over us is, we can recognize that even when everything isn't all that we want, even when we're an octagai living in a house that won't stand up through the next typhoon, we can be used by God so that his way may be known on earth and his salvation amongst all the nations. We want to be 
seeing what God has said will happen before he comes back. All of the signs that we sometimes get coming through our Facebook feed about all of the things that we should be afraid of because, oh, look, this is the sign that we're near the end times because people are doing this. Are all of the things that Jesus told us, don't worry about those things. They're going to happen. When he reminds them of what we can guarantee will happen in Matthew 24, 14, when he says, but you, but the gospel of the kingdom will go out to all nations and then the end will come. Everything else he tells them are things that won't be a sure sign because they're going to happen again and again. They're things that are just going to get worse and worse and you think it's bad now? Wait till tomorrow. But he tells us not to worry about that. But he gives them one clear sign. This gospel of the reign of God, of God's kingdom here amongst his people that he's drawing out from the kingdom of the enemy that we're being delivered from the kingdom of darkness and brought into his kingdom, will go out to every people on earth. All nations. These nations are family groups. It will go out to the Bukalot. These people that until the 1960s would raise up their kids to go out and kill somebody that they've never met and take their head just so they could come back and say, now I'm a man. And they would celebrate it a culture that was that perverted by the enemy. And now they like to say that they came from being headhunters to soul hunters. That God has shown mercy on so many of them as the gospel came in. And now this people, this family group, Bukalot, and they'll actually tell you it's a lot of different families. I've been with them in the meetings when they remember and look at each other and say, you know, 30 years ago, we couldn't have been here together because we were killing each other. Our clan and your clan hated each other. <laughs> it was funny. I probably don't have time for this story, but I was there with one of the old guys, and he was lamenting the good old days, as we all do, right? And he was saying, you know, Bukalot used to be so respectful. He said the young generation now, they just have no respect. This, this is a man who had to be, um, um, he, he had taken a head. <laughs> he had taken a head when it was no longer fashionable and had been disciplined by it, by the government, by um, the church. But he's still remembering the good old days, as we all do, right? You know, I'm getting older, I start remembering good old days. He said, we were so respectful. From a distance, we would start calling out and saying nice things about you. And I'd say, oh, Mason, I want to come over and say, greet you, and I just want to enjoy the fellowship and all the things that they would do and then we had come in and do these long greetings back and forth. And then he kind of chuckled and said, of course, when we did that, we all both had our hands on our, on our machetes ready to fight because if he goofed it up, I was going to kill him. And if I goofed it up, he was going to draw on me. And he got thinking about remembering the good old days, but then remembering the way that God had changed him, that this person that now can be disrespectful to him because he's so comfortable amongst them knowing that they live at peace. Sometimes forgets the formalities, but he can do that because now there are people that praise God. That we were gathered together with, I think it was almost a thousand believers there in that area from the churches spread out across the Bukalo tribe. And of course, not all of them are believers, but the impact of the gospel 
has changed them to where even the unbelievers give praise to God for the things that he's done to change them. I'm going to jump ahead here, and I'll come back to this final blessing at the end um, because, like I do, I've gone over on time. After you work with tribals for a while who don't really worry about watches, you're not real good at sticking to time. At least that's the excuse I make. I never was really that good at it. But God is doing stuff in places like these simple Agta people. And he's given us the privilege, and this is what brought me to tears, is I got to, in the midst of mourning what I was losing at that time, I got to look back and say the way that God had used our family to be a part of all peoples bringing glory to his name. And so the small little things that you go through, when you start looking at the big picture of what God is doing, the little issues that come up, all of those kind of go away. I want to share a few stories about individuals that have caught this vision of God blessing them so that all peoples may praise him. This is Pastor Esaias and his wife, Lenny. He didn't have much formal education, and they grew up in the mountains of Mindoro as one of the Mangan tribal. He's actually Taubuid. Didn't have a lot of formal education, but he came to know the Lord through his dad. His dad had been Lord to the Lord by the missionaries, and as he got old enough, they sent him to the Mangyan Bible School. At the Mangyan Bible School, he was able to graduate and learn, and they asked him to become one of the leaders of their association of churches. And he did that for a number of years before he went back to teaching, and then eventually they asked him to be the principal. And he'd been doing that for about 10 years, and it was time now for him to retire. And he was looking forward to retirement. He was tired. Um, Discipling people is hard. It's tiring work, right? Um, And he was ready to go home, but they asked him to come down when we did that first trial semester with the Agta. And he caught the vision while he was there as they talked to him and said, we need this established amongst us too. And his vision of retiring and going home was gone now and replaced with a vision of seeing where he could help establish this in a whole new area where we had six different languages, eight different tribal groups we're trying to target and it could serve those by going down and establishing a Bible school. So he went back with that vision and he asked me if I would come down to his churches to talk to his church leaders to see if they would release him for that. The agreement we have with these associations is we will partner with them, but the decision relies with you and with the church over who you'll send. We're not going to go recruit people individually and say, hey, we'll partner with you if they're not sent out by their church. Well, I get a call a couple of days before we're supposed to go, or he gets a call and tells me, you know, the church decided to meet. They'd found out what we were going to ask them, and they said no. We had already voted, and we want you to be our head pastor. For the last 20-some years after we've sent you out, you've been serving other places, and it's our time now. This guy is a phenomenal teacher of the word and just a humble servant of the Lord. And he's sent out by one of the biggest churches there, and they have sent out their best for the last 20 years, and they had been looking forward to that. He had finally said he was going to retire and come home and farm in his area and pastor in that church. And they said, we can't release you now. 
We have all these things that have come up, and we need you here and at home. And of course, my heart broke, but I understood as well. The ministry they have going on in that area is so valuable and so important. A month later, I got a call from him, and he said, the church leaders met again. And they said, as much as we need you here, we recognize that God has called you out to this and equipped you for this. And we want to stand behind you. And he said, not only me, actually, his brother who was from that same church and this other man, Felipe, the church is releasing them. Three of their leaders in this church, they were releasing to go out to go and start a Bible school amongst people they've never met. Amongst people where they don't get to see the needs or the thing, but they recognize God's heart for all peoples. In October, they got to start the Bible school on the land that your team went over to, to see and encourage and share the gospel around there and dig holes too deep and fill, fill sandbags. God is using him and blessing him and has blessed their church, not for the sake only of themselves, but for the sake of all nations, all peoples, praising him. This is Gary and Levita. <laughs> Gary is a Jonah story. He's the one who'll tell you that if you ever had the chance to meet him. He didn't want to obey God's call on his life. I'll do the short version of the story, but my daughter had a chance to meet his daughter in Sunday school class one day and came to me after church and said, Dad, I want them to come down and be with us. We became close friends immediately. She said, go talk to them. And I said, no, that's not how it works. God's the one who calls people. I said, but you can pray. And I've teased Gary for a lot of years later that you know he got out prayed by an 11-year-old. Um, <laughs> but Gary was praying against the will of God because he didn't want to go. But he was praying as somebody who had the spirit in him and God stepped in. And in his mercy, blessed him in this way and has sent him out. He said all of the things he was afraid of have happened and even worse. He said it's been harder than he ever would have imagined. But the blessing of being a part of what God is doing there, it feels like almost every week when I open up his Facebook, there's new baptisms happening from the people he's led to the Lord, from the people that they've led to the Lord as the gospel is spreading out amongst there. And so, yeah, he was Jonah, but God had mercy on him and blessed him. His church was part of that and pushing him out. That's all these other stories I could tell. This is Jose. Jose was somebody who, after work, when he would make about $3, would take that $3 to go drinking. And he said, a normal day, I would drink about $2 worth of that and leave less than a dollar for my wife to feed their four kids, pregnant with her fourth, when I met him. But God, in his mercy, stepped in, and he actually sent a flood that forced him to evacuate out of his house. And when we were there to bring relief, rice and a Bible 
and shared the gospel. He went home that night with his wife and they said, this is important, we need to figure this out. And she started to read the Bible to him every week and he stopped avoiding us and started attending the Bible studies. And this was about two and a half or three months later. I had just baptized him and he helped me to baptize his wife. And we went from there to a Bible study where he had already gathered people. Two and a half months after hearing the gospel, he had already gathered people and told them about this good news about God that was so different than whatever he had heard before. And we hurried this Bible study along to go on. And besides this church, this was when he first planted that church. We planted that together. They have five outreaches going on. I'm not certain I've ever met a more effective evangelist than Jose. This drunk who neglected his family and God has changed him. And they are one of the cutest, happiest couples you've ever met in their life. Now, this is Alvin and Raquel. Alvin was actually a believer when I met him. He had actually been chosen um, by the guy who had planted the church. A Mangyan missionary had gone there before we ever went. That church had died and not fallen through, but they had hoped that Alvin would be one of the ones to lead that church. They had tried to put him through Bible studies, they found out a lot of things that had not gone well, and we've been helping to do some training, and they've gotten some training with others on better ways of teaching and avoiding um, syncretism and people coming for all the wrong reasons. Um, But the reality was, Alvin, even though he was a believer, was not walking with the Lord. He married Raquel, and she wasn't a believer but God was working on his heart. And it's a long story like it is for most of us, right? With starts and stops and stutters and stumbles along the way. But I got to be with him there about eight years ago when he baptized his wife. And I felt God prompting me saying, this may be the first one you baptize, but it won't be the last. And it scared him. And he spent about four years after that trying to fight against God's calling on his life. And I'm wrong on time frames. I'm getting old. I do that. But (sighs) might have been longer than that. But right now, he's the president of that newly formed BTCA. And their church has planted another church and has three outreaches that they're leading right now in the midst of helping all the churches to work together and establish this Bible school and the livelihood training program and thinking about how they're going to open up new areas. When there was students that wanted to come to the Bible school in an area that didn't have a church and there was no church to recommend them, his solution was, let's go plant a church. (laughs) If that's the problem, all we need is the church. Let's go do it. Not because Alvin is so much greater, but because God had mercy on him and blessed him. And he's calling each of us out to be involved in different ways. Right now, amongst the, uh, the Agta, three out of the eight groups that we're trying to target have students there in the Bible school, and there's churches that can send them out. These are a few of those students. But in the front of their classroom... They have this map, and it's, it's a mess. I just want you to see. 
a little bit of what's going on there, that they're looking to all of these other groups, these five other groups where yet we have no real solid established church that's reaching out yet. Um, more than 100,000, maybe 120 plus, we, every time we go out and survey new areas, we find places that aren't on the census. We estimate about 800 churches still needed there amongst the Agta between these other groups and those first three to get to the rest of their people. God has started something, but yet there's still so much to be done in front of them as we're already looking on beyond to the next provinces and the neighboring islands of other countries. But I just want to challenge us that keep that kind of focus. It's so easy, like this church did a while back, 10 years ago before we partnered them, to get looking at all of the problems that's right here at home, and they're real, and they're important, and to let our prayers start becoming only inward, if we're not careful. That will stop that prayer of God have mercy and bless us and cause your face to shine upon us. Lord, give us the finances we need. Give us the health that we need. Fix this issue with my wife. Maybe I'm the only one who ever prays that way, but um, we have all of these things that we start praying that are good and important prayers. But let's not stop there and continue on to remember that what we are doing is one small part of what God is doing all around the world. And I want to challenge you that these Bukalo churches, that when we went to them to partner, were struggling, and I talked to one of the leaders, and he said, you should become a missionary here because we have churches that are not getting along, and we have marriages that are struggling, and we're losing our youth, and there's so many that aren't believers yet, and we have backsliders, and there's, and I said, that sounds like my hometown. And praise God, you guys are here, right? There's a lot of work left to be done here. But I said, God has called us here to the Agta, where at that time we knew of no churches amongst them. From what we could tell, tens of thousands of them had never heard the gospel in a way they could understand. And that led to the partnership where now, instead of saying all our problems are fixed or we have all the resources, they said, let's take what resources we have and use them to be a part. As God calls people out, we will send them. They sent out the head pastor of church that had an offering of $2 a month. And within a year, they were giving more than $100 a month to support their missionaries at the same time as they were expanding their church because they got revived and excited about the power of the gospel as they got seeing what God was doing over there and remembering they can be a part of it there. It reminded them what's going on there. This last April, we got to go to their conference and instead of 16 churches like it was when we partnered with them, there was 33 there now and dozens of more outreaches that they're doing all around their area one church in the first year of COVID baptized 60. This was a church of about 80. 60 new come in. They were struggling with how they were going to expand their sanctuary because there wasn't enough windows for the people trying to stand and look in. God is at work. 
Let's just remember that his mercy and his blessing for us doesn't stop with us. I thank you that you're a church that shares that heart already. I'm not sharing this as something new or that you've never thought about or trying to tell you that I'm saying something that Brian's never told you or Jay's never told you. I'm just sharing what God has said from the word in this song that was such an encouragement to me to remind me that on the days when things are struggling and I'm not having all of my personal problems taken care of and my poor wife is dealing with me stuck in the house and apparently I get annoying when I don't have something to do. That in the midst of that, God has blessed us and allowed us to be a part of what he's doing to bring all peoples into his kingdom that they all may have joy in him. I'm gonna ask you to stand up again and I'm gonna read these verses one more time over us. As a prayer of benediction, as a blessing over you. As a blessing over all of us. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Salah. That your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Salah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Amen. Thank you all.